Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWorldOnSport.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Good evening, football fans, and welcome to Let's Talk CFL Podcast, episode number 326. I'm your host, Christopher Jones, and we're going to talk football, CFL football. Hey, 2019 CFL season started this weekend, and I wasn't impressed with any of the games. Seriously. You know what? Everybody says the first week of uh, the season is uh, still preseason, and for I, I hope so. Uh, I, the second week is also preseason, but these points count. And everybody goes, okay, well, the season really doesn't start till Labor Day. Bullshit. These points are just as important as the ones after Labor Day. So if you pick up these ones now, you don't got to work so hard later on, okay? Look at Calgary last year. They want everything. And then they kind of slacked off a bit, and they were still good. So, you know, Okay, I, you know, I'm not going with this one. Every game's important, and those games yesterday were important, and they were less yesterday over the weekend. They were less than stellar, okay? And, yes, I understand there's got chemistry has to happen, and this has got to happen, and this has got to happen, and you got to do something, and the BC Lions need to learn to run the fucking ball. Okay, sorry, did I say that out loud? I apologize. Yeah, no, I... Just, there's just a few things that bothered me uh, over the weekend, and uh, run the ball. Okay, so uh, deep sigh. Okay, just hang on. Let me catch a breath. Arr, float this one a little bit. Okay, anyhow, I'm, yeah, I'm just joking around here, guys. I, it's not a big deal. BC Lions will do what they need to do. Calgary Stampeders will need will do what they need to do, and uh, so will the other teams, right? Because that's what they do. They need to do certain things, and they're going to do it. Now. I think we all picked Saskatchewan to be bottom of the West this year, and uh, that's uh, not looking much different than uh, where that. That's a good prediction. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's open up the mics and see what we're going to do here. I'm going to open all the mics. Boom, boom, boom. There we go. Mark, how you doing today, buddy? Doing good, doing good. I thought some of the football was pretty good, actually. What? What? what really? Yeah, I, I was okay with the Bomber BC game. I didn't. Yeah, really yeah, yeah. Of course you were. Down. I have no doubt you were. This was not like a, the best chance for the Bombers to beat the Lions this year, and they took advantage of it. So good for them. Uh, and really, it, there was only one player that beat the Lions. You know, it when when uh, Jared put up that that thing that says the the BC Lions offensive line, and it was just had Mike Riley in it. Well, you could do the Bombers' offensive line and only have Andrew Harris, and it would be the same. So, um, it's true. Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Charles, open up. Say hello. Hey, hello. Hello. How's it going, brother? I, I uh, saw your Mike Riley that? bobblehead, man. That was exciting, eh? Yes. That was uh, – and they did it so much better this time because – a lot of people are complaining about it, and um, I can see why. But rather than hand them out at the door, at the gates, like they did with all of the other ones, 
when you went in and you scanned your ticket, they gave you a voucher, and it said go to Section 253 and exchange your voucher for uh, a bobblehead. So you didn't have people going to four or five different gates and just saying, oh, can I get one of those? I haven't got one yet. You actually had to turn in a voucher and have somebody um, uh, give it to you, which I like. Now, a few people did com- I saw complaining because once you got to the concourse, there was a ginormous lineup, which I was of expecting. Course. But yeah, at least course. it gave more people the opportunity to get it and you didn't have a bunch of people hijacking all of them. So I didn't mind it. And the line went relatively quickly. Even though it was very long, it went quickly. Maybe they should so just have more, more really areas it. around the, the, the stadium. That would be the other option, yeah. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. Okay, well, awesome. And what do you think of the game? How was it? I mean, we're going to talk about it later, of you course. Know, for the most part, it was an exciting game. It was good to be back watching football. Uh, I got a few thoughts on the game, um, which I'll talk about when we do our game review. It was a fun night, and you know what? I've seen so many Lions fans out there just jumping off, wanting to jump off of a bridge and saying, oh, the season is over, trade this person, fire this person. It's been one week. Get a grip. I know, you don't I know. make a season in one the, thing, the, the line I used this morning, Rome wasn't built in a day. It just, let's not panic after one week. That's just foolish. Well, we don't really want Rome. We want a stand breakup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If we win the Grey Cup, not many people will remember what happened last night. So there's that. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so uh, moving on here. Phil, how you doing? Phil. Hey, I'm doing real good, Christopher. Excellent. What a a great first weekend in CFL football. Not one of those games was a sleeper. They were all exciting. Really? Really? I kind of fell asleep at a point. You, you, you kind of did something weird, weird with your mic because you're not sounding all that wonderful right yeah. now. Oh, I moved it too far away again. No, I, I thought they were all exciting. Yeah, what was yeah. their biggest point spread? The only blowout was out in BC, and that was only 10 points. Yeah, but <laughs> it, it was like, I don't know. I, I thought the games, they were all sloppy. They all kind of sucked. They were all off. Nobody was in. in, in proper rhythm throughout the game it was just yeah no i wasn't happy with it i mean yes most of the most of the games could have gone either way in fact all of them could have gone either way they were all kind of pretty close so i'm not bitching about that it just kind of anyhow i'm glad you you kind of went you went to the game you enjoyed it you you cheered for who calgary yeah, I went. Uh, no, you know, I couldn't couldn't share very loudly because I had Will sitting next to me, and uh, you know, anytime there's an East team out here playing one of these West teams, I, I kind of got to be secretly pulling for them. So I was just doing my fist pumps. I would turn kind of to my side a little bit so Will couldn't see, and just doing my fist pumps like that. By the way, I Will's a great host. Uh, he is. He's got some great tickets there. Yeah, oh my gosh, he's got some great tickets there. Uh, 
he's uh, he he he, uh, he rocks it like Drake. <laughs> yeah, that's not how I envisioned. Will, uh, are you trying? Will, are you trying to give John Cornish a run for his money? To, trying to take his job away from him? Is that is that what Bill's trying to tell me? Uh, yeah, no. No, no. Okay. The, the thing, the thing, the thing Phil doesn't know about me is I'm a very, very, very observant guy. I notice <laughs> everything, and I notice every single time that the Stampeders scored, Phil did not stand up. Okay, he doesn't think I noticed that, but I noticed that. Okay, and so halfway through the game, I was thinking. Should I give him an elbow in the side of the head? <laughs> nah, I've only met him once. I'll wait. I'll wait for future dates, okay? And uh, so, you know, you know, I'm sure most of the people who sit near me just thought he didn't know anything about football. That's why he didn't know to stand up when the Stampeders scored. So, um, and, and I do tend to agree with Phil. Um, I enjoyed all the games this weekend. There were moments in all of the games. Um, but, yeah, it's not mid-season football, that's for sure. And uh, the other thing I was going to say, and don't take this the wrong way, Charles, if anybody ever sees me standing in a line for a bobblehead doll, just cave my head in, Okay. Okay. Anyway, there you go. That's what I have Are to you say. serious? You can tell I'm. You can so tell you're, I'm not. You're telling me that if today. the Calgary Stampeders offered a Bo Levi Mitchell bobblehead, you wouldn't stand in line and send it to me? Not a fucking chance. Uh, I'm hurt. <laughs> you know what? Life is full of hurt, Christopher. Sorry. <laughs> Hagup bobble heads of two Saskatchewan Rough Rider players. Do you know that? I think this the Stampedes would hand them out at the door anyway, so and I usually do tend to get there early, but you know. So Yeah. Okay. You wanna guy so, you guys wanna talk some football? Let's talk about yeah, the big game, the first game. The first game of the two thousand sixteen CFL season was the Saskatchewan Rough Riders into Timba. Tim Bit Box in Hamilton to play the Tie Cats. Third play in. Bam! Zach Caleros out with a concussion on the sixth game. Cody Fajardo comes in, who was the BC Lions backup quarterback or third string quarterback last year. And bam! He's off out of the game. And then they bring in this Parker, and he like plays a great game of football. This is so reminiscent of the BC Lions when Travis Lule goes down and then John Beck, I think it was John Beck, he goes down and then Jonathan Jennings comes in and plays really well for the rest of the season. Maybe the Riders have got, they're onto something here. Maybe this is a good thing. Who knows? Uh, Interesting game. It was not a high-scoring game by any means. It was never out of reach for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Hamilton did win. Final score was 23-17. But 
Oh, my God. Sure wasn't great football. I don't know where you, what game you guys were watching. Phil, tell us about your riders. Well, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about uh, Zach Claris because we're going to get to that later in the show. Um, I thought it was a great night for first-year defensive coordinator Jason Shivers and his defense. Uh, Cameron Judge was solid at middle linebacker. Sean Davis, who was mostly a special teams contributor in BC, he sure didn't look out of place as a starting linebacker. Um, Solomon Moon started his first ever CFL game at corner, and he must have been good because I don't remember anybody mentioning him. Unfortunately, we didn't see enough of that defense because they only had to play 15 minutes through three quarters. So Hamilton didn't really challenge them much. Uh, I guess that they were aided by their two and outs. That helped a lot. But I think the biggest thing that helped the defense was Stephen Maxey's offense, particularly when Fajardo was in. Plenty of second and short and second and medium to deal with. And that, that was mostly provided by uh, William Powell. And uh, that, like I said, I, I, that's just a tremendous fringe of pickups for the Riders. Remarkable considering the Ticats seem to have a very good defensive line. Paul, I think, ran for 104 yards. And uh, like I mentioned, after three quarters, the time of possession was 30 minutes to 15 minutes in favor of the Riders. And I think they held Jeremiah Mazzoli to 169 yards pass. Um, and I think that's, that helped keep the riders in the game early, uh, particularly in the first half. And otherwise, it couldn't, could have gotten real ugly. It could have been a Hamilton blowout with the riders losing to Calero so early. You know what? Matt, he, he takes plenty of heat in Saskatchewan. Uh, but, you know, one thing I like to bring up is how many rings does Mike Riley have again? One, he is two. One. Two. 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 Sorry, yes. Right. My mistake. You're right, two. Two. I'm sorry. I thought it was one. He got one with the Edmonton no, Eskimos. He, won he got one, one as a backup in 2011 with BC. Oh, okay. All right, right. Yeah. Okay. Not counting cheap ones. He's got one. And uh, who was his offensive coordinator? You asked the question. I answered it. You don't like the answer? <laughs> Not my fault. Sure. Who was his offensive coordinator when he did win a great cup in 2015? It was Steve McAdoo. Yep. Yes, it was. Yep. Who, who was his McAdoo quarterback also, coach? Uh, I don't remember. Jarius Jackson. Yeah, oh, and Jarius Jackson uh, followed McAdoo to Saskatchewan with quarterbacks coaching 2016 and 2016. 17 as well, I believe, um, when they put up 35 touchdown passes. So there might be something to say for Jarius Jackson. Yeah, he's now the OC in BC and doesn't know what a run game is. So let's not go there right now. <laughs> anyway, uh, so when Isaac Harker came in, uh, plenty of talk around Saskatchewan about Isaac Harker, Harker right now because uh, he looks like a young phantom. He kind of put the scare into in the Hamilton secondary there, uh, especially going after Dalvin Bro and 
again and again. Uh, showed a lot of moxie. But I think after his first pass or two, I noticed Hamilton backed off into kind of a deep zone uh, defense and uh, was certainly giving him better opportunities to complete passes than uh, than Cody Fajardo had when he was in there. Wow. So I think it's right to go with Cody Fajardo for not just not just that reason, but uh, also, you know, we, you don't want to ruin a kid this early in his career by putting him under the gun and putting in Isaac Harker to start the next game. So I know the Riders have, uh, I believe they've announced that, uh, that they're going to go with Fajardo, or at least look, look like that by the news conference today, even though they publicly said they're going to decide later in the week. Um, okay. Um, do you have a radio on in the background there, Phil? I don't. Don't no. the TV or to somebody? Will, is that you? Nope. nope. Yeah, I can okay. hear it echoing. Well, I don't. Is it echoing or is it just a? It sounds no, like somebody's no TV or something. Okay. I turned my mic off for I a second. Birds, I can still hear it. I hear birds chirping. No, that, that, that goes back to what you're smoking. Okay, Will, go ahead. Talk, talk about this game. This is the first of the CFL season. You got to watch it. You're kind of excited. Well, I can make three comments. Okay, so the first one is, yep, Claris is gone. Yep, Fajardo is gone. And then you bring in this Harker guy. And, of course, he was, he was, he was too – in bliss to realize that he was the quarterback in a football game. And he, he actually played well and he didn't know who Delvin bro was because he went after him numerous times and you got to give uh, ignorance uh, a handshake. Okay. Because obviously uh, he thinks he can play football. And it, it's funny because I've always wondered why a third string guy or a rookie just doesn't come out and play football. You know what I mean? put the ball down the field, and whatever happens, happens. You already made the team. You don't have to be nervous about being cut, so just go for it. The other thing I noticed was Saskatchewan, because I would assume, because they are paying Mika Johnson so much money, they moved him all over the place during the game. He was he was a stand-up defensive end. He was in the middle. He was on the outside. Guess what, guys? He came to Calgary as a linebacker. He couldn't make the team as a linebacker, so they decided to make him a defensive tackle. He's a great defensive tackle. But you put him in the middle, and you make three guys triple-team him, and then everybody else gets a shot at the quarterback. They're not going to use him properly. But I guess it's because they're paying him so much money. They think he's, uh, I don't know, Solomon Aluminium or something. I don't know. I thought that was kind of silly. And the last comment I'm going to – this is this is just for Phil. And it's, it's great, Phil, that all these guys look great for Saskatchewan. But bottom line, and you know what I'm going to say, aren't you guys? There's only one stat that matters. And Wins. that is Wins. the W. Period. Period. Okay. So I had more to say about this game, but I don't want to talk about this game anymore. Go ahead, guys. Mark, jump up. 
you know, I really raw, do raw, raw, raw. Yeah, I do give Saskatchewan credit for um, hanging in when you're down to your third-string quarterback and really giving it a fight. They were never right out of the game. Hamilton, I thought, played really sloppy, especially with the passing. Yeah, they had Brandon Banks going, but after that it was down to, I think, the second receiver at 35 yards. So it was all Brandon Banks. And really they should have been able to put their foot down on Saskatchewan's throat and just run the ball down their throats and take the clock out and everything else, get the points. But they really struggled. So, you know, for all the Hamilton fans being super excited about it, you beat a third-string quarterback. It was a sloppy game, I thought, though. It wasn't one of the more entertaining ones. It was close. There's all kinds of controversy we get to talk about going in a couple more things, but that's about it. It's a sloppy game. Really disappointed with Hamilton. Yeah. Okay. Charles, what do you got? I'm actually surprised it was as close as it was, especially after uh, Calaris went out uh, down um, third play of the game. But the the Harker, uh, Isaac Harker, did remind me somewhat of, and I think you brought it up earlier, of um, when Jonathan Jennings came in after the two went, went down, just uh, the way he came in. And, like, Will was right. He didn't care, uh, like, maybe ignorance or something like that, he didn't care he was throwing against, like he went after Delvin Bro, like he said. It didn't really work out for him that well because he did throw two picks. But he did put up some decent yardage, 128 yards for a guy that hasn't played. Uh, that might be, I believe that's his first game, is it not? Has he ever played before in a, a regular season game? I don't think yeah, he has. First game. He's straight yeah, out of Division yeah. two college. Yeah, so there you go. So, I mean... He wasn't spectacular, but I don't think he really embarrassed himself. He he kept the team around long enough to make the game competitive. Uh, certainly, I think that the uh, experience kind of of the tie catch rose to the top. But Jeremiah Mazzoli, who uh, from all accounts uh, wants to be seen as a number one elite quarterback this season, he didn't really uh, make a strong case for that this this week. He only passed for 169 yards and one touchdown. That's not a spectacular game, uh, especially against a team that really did not have much offense in this game. Um, obviously, the best, probably the best point for the uh, Riders was the William Powell who ran for 104 yards and a touchdown. But it was just um, they kind of had a pop gun offense in Saskatchewan or for with Saskatchewan. Uh, they were okay after Kolaros went down, but I'm still not sure long-term that either one of those guys, whether it be Harker or Fajardo, uh, are going to be any sort of long-term fix. I'm sure that um, if Kolaros out long-term, and my understanding is he is, they're going to probably try and look somewhere to get some sort of veteran help, even if it's just a backup Fajardo or somebody, because I don't think if they're going with these two guys, um, I don't think that's a long-term recipe for success. Uh, it was a sloppy game. It wasn't uh, a classic. 
Um, I'm with with CJ that most of the games this weekend were, for the most part, sloppily played. But, like Will says, the most important stat is the one that's on the scoreboard at the end of the game, and that said Hamilton 23 and Saskatchewan 17, so good on Saskatchewan getting... Also, the weather was crappy there, so that also, I think, just added to the... um, to the uh, mediocrity of the game, but Hamilton gets the win. Good for them. They're off to a good start. And the Rough Riders are uh, back to the drawing board after week one. Yeah, no doubt about that one, eh? Nope. Okay, so that's a wrap on the Saskatchewan-Hamilton game. Okay, so the final score was Hamilton... Tiger Cats, 23. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, 17. Oh, my God. Okay, let's see who picked who. What, Charles, you picked 17 for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and 31 for Hamilton. You're out by eight points, buddy. Uh-uh. That's not going to win this one. Will, 11-27. Total point differentiation is 10. You're out of there. Mark, you sucked. 19 points difference. Phil. Six points. You win. CJ. Hey, Christopher. Christopher. Didn't you pick Saskatchewan? No, I don't pick Saskatchewan. I was on my own. What? Well. Chris, don't, don't we have an unwritten rule that the new guy can't win any points? Yeah, I think so. You didn't mention, you didn't mention that to him? I forgot no. to. So. I forgot to, too. Mm-hmm. It, we, okay. we can blame it on Sparksman because he, he, like, made the... the, the, the the shadow thing here. It was he, he should have known better. Okay. And yeah, I, I picked so. Saskatchewan, so I got a loss. So anyhow, Phil gets a point there. Next game up was the Montreal Alouettes in Commonwealth Stadium to play the Eskimos. Brand new quarterback, brand new receiving core, brand new lots of things in Edmonton. Oh Montreal, same thing. Brand new, brand new coach, brand new coach. First, first time rookie coach. Might, I might add that the it was a rookie coach for the first time in Saskatchewan and Hamilton. Both, both of those guys were rookie coaches. So, uh, Orlando Steinauer and uh, Craig Dickinson. And now we have another rookie coach in Montreal in Cavis, uh, not Cavis Reed, Kahari Jones. Kahari Jones. Kahari Jones was the rookie coach for Montreal in this game. Uh, Edmonton squeaked out a victory. It was not decisive. It was not like in your face, I'm going to smack Montreal around. They And they even had to play their second string quarterback because Antonio Pipkin got knocked out of the game. And Edmonton Eskimo fans are all jumping up and down and being all excited because, you know, their team is just as dominant without Mike Riley as it was before. It was Montreal and their second string. Give your head a shake. Do not celebrate this game. There's no victory. There's no, no wonderful victories for Hamilton or Edmonton here. Don't, don't get all excited. Okay. It, you, you weren't playing the first string quarterback. Oh my good Lord. Uh, Charles, take it away. Well, this one was much I, – I honestly thought this was going to be a blowout this week. I thought Edmonton was going to thump Montreal. It didn't really happen that way. Um, 
it was Montreal just stuck around. They just um, I kept expecting uh, Edmonton to pull away, and they put up a lot of yardage. They put up over 600 yards of offense against Montreal. They had almost double what Montreal did, but they only won by a touchdown. So what that tells me is that for the most part, all that yardage was between the 20s. But they only had one field goal, which was weird. So it was a lot of uh, weird. One, it was a lot of weird, and one of the reasons why the um, one of the reasons why the Montreal Alouettes uh, stayed in this game as long as they did, the Edmonton Eskimo turned the ball over five times. That's a no-no. You're, it's very rare that you're going to win a football game turning the ball over five times. Uh, Edmonton got away with it because they were playing Montreal. I think if they were playing pretty much any other team in the CFL, they probably don't win this game because you cannot expect to turn the ball over five times and win. Trevor Harris had an excellent football game, yardage-wise, 447, three touchdowns, no interceptions. So no huge problem with... um, Trevor Harris's play, C.J. Gable had a huge game, 154 yards rushing. But the defense couldn't shut down Vernon Adams. I thought everybody shut down Vernon Adams. But Pipkin was really struggling even when he got hurt. And Vernon Adams came in and actually looked quite good, throwing for 134 yards and a touchdown. And he kept the, in the, he kept the Alouettes uh, close. William Stanback had a decent running, 76 yards and a touchdown. Um, but uh, the turnovers were the big problems there. Um, Edmonton just kept trying to give this game to Montreal. So while Edmonton won by seven points, and they had a lot more offense, but they got to be more careful with the ball because uh, if they uh, if turning the ball over five times a game is a regular occurrence for them they're going to have trouble winning more games. It was fine to get away with it against Montreal, but you turn a ball over five times, the odds are you're not going to win many games doing that. But, hey, give it to Edmonton. They got the two points. They got the win. But uh, if I'm an Edmonton fan, I'm kind of tempering my excitement because, A, like I said, you turn the ball over five times. B, you got a touchdown win over Montreal, who are widely regarded as going to be the worst team in the CFL by many people. So, uh, I don't know if I'm super excited over this one. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay, uh, Mark, bring it up. I'm absolutely amazed how porous Montreal's defense was. When you look at the personnel on that team, and their number one tackler for the game had 10 tackles, is your safety, Taylor Loeffler. Harris torched them. This game should never have been close. But we say the same thing about Edmonton. It's Right now, it's just a different quarterback from last year. It's the exact same team. Their defensive play is still lacking. God it's awful. Kept you know, Adams was only 7 of 10, but he had 134 yards passing at those seven passes. Again, it was another sloppy game, but 
it was fun one to watch because I thought Montreal might be able to come back. And I'll give credit to Harris words words due. We all know I don't like him that much, but he did play well. He, you know, he wasn't the fault of the turnovers. It wasn't because of him. It wasn't interceptions and that. So he did what he needed to do. So, but it's Montreal. At the end of the day, it's Montreal. Don't get excited yet. Yeah. That's it. Uh, you, you beat up Montreal. Whoop-dee-doo. And you didn't do it convincingly. Give your head a shake. Don't be planning the parade route yet. Okay. No, that's for the Bomber fans. Yeah, well, you, you, that, we'll get there later. Okay. Not quite. Phil! Phil, come in in and open up your mic and talk uh, to us football about the Edmonton Eskimos and the Montreal Alouettes. Well, who thought this game was going to be such a thriller in the end? You know, that uh, sure blew me away. The Owls, they just, they just wouldn't go away there in the second half after Vernon Adams came in. I actually temporarily turned this off for a while when it was 25 to 8. And I was talking on the phone to somebody, and they said, you better turn it back on. And uh, so I had to turn it on and rewind a little bit. Uh, it really turned out to be a, a great finish. I didn't know till after the game just how many yards Edmonton had put up. Turning to Montreal for a second, uh, I'm sure happy for Kahari Jones, finally getting his chance for a CFL head coaching job. Uh, his name's been up a few times. And, uh, you know, as a ex-Saskatchewan Rough Rider quarterbacks coach, I, I always wish him the best. Right? Um, no, no. They had some some exciting uh, exciting weapons, actually, in Montreal with DeVry Posey and B.J. Cunningham at a big game with almost 100 yards, I think. And, and that William Standback, man, he's a, he's a weapon. Um, however, uh, Antonio Pipkin just couldn't make use of him. He, he struggled to... He really actually had abysmal numbers. I think he was like seven for seventeen, and he and it was it was only like three and a half yards per attempt. Um, just just terrible numbers he put up. So it was probably a good thing he got roughed up for the for the Alouettes. Uh, on special teams, Boris B had a net forty three yards to I think lead all punters in the league. I'm just guessing, maybe not, but uh, he was certainly up there. And uh, that was after returns and. Uh, Montreal stayed in the game with some timely turnovers. You take that first drive there where, where Harris drove the, the Eskimos all, all the way down to, I don't know, the five or ten yard line, and uh, and they turned it over. And that was kind of the story of the game for the for very much the first uh, two-thirds of the game at least. But, uh, you know, overall Harris was solid, and especially when it counted with the game-winning drive. And uh, I think I heard somewhere today that was his 13th or 14th game-winning drive in in the final three minutes in his career. Um, uh, C.J. Gable had 154 yards rushing to lead all rushers in week one on, with tw- on 20 carries. Uh, former rider, and I, I think bomber uh, Ricky Collins Jr., uh, I forget where else he played, uh, led all week one receivers with uh, 175 yards. So uh, they really put up some numbers. And uh, and I guess if you were an Eskimos fan, that was probably a pretty exciting game to be at or to be watching um, because their offense moved the ball pretty well. That's all I got. Okay. William. Oh, it was yeah. an exciting game. We got to watch Edmonton. 
They didn't lose. What well, happened? No, they didn't lose. And and the interesting thing is, is I was going to give a big shout out to the various Daniels because they didn't throw the ball to him at all. I don't know if he's hurt or what, but the various Daniels, they're not going to throw you the ball because he's got Ellingson and Ellingson's his buddy, so it's not going to happen. You know what? I was not unimpressed with Montreal's offense. And until you see them on the field, I mean, they got the, the various, is it the Posey and they've got PJ Cunningham. Those are two pretty freaking good receivers. And uh, I, I think they're not going to be bad. The defense did not play that great. And uh, Calgary's two former star quarterbacks didn't play that great. So once again, the question comes along, is it the player or is it the system? Okay. Um, I I can't believe that with two minutes and three seconds left, the game was tied. And then I don't know if Montreal was just happy to be there because they let Edmonton go down the field and score. So, I mean, you'd think they'd have a little more fight back, a little more something as, you know, and it, and it didn't happen, but Edmonton won. You shouldn't get excited about that win, Edmonton, because it was Montreal. And uh, Andrew Harris threw for over 400 yards, but next week he could throw for 93. So we shall see. Like I said, third exhibition game of the year. First exhibition game for all the starters. Let's see what happens. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, less than impressed with the quality of football happening there. See, now you guys have got to start agreeing with me. I said these games weren't that good. Now all everybody said, yeah, these games weren't that good. But at, before you said, hey, this was quality football. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyhow, that was everybody got to speak on this game, when, right? What? Yeah. Was I just that? want to know when, when Ricky Collins learned how to catch. Because he played here last year, and he was dropping passes constantly. Yeah. Yeah, he played a good game of football. For all intents and purposes, there's always Very one person on a, on a team that plays respectably, and it, it, Ricky Collins did play very well. Okay, final score was the Edmonton Eskimos 32, Montreal 25. Uh, Charles, your was 17. Will, you picked Montreal to win. That was a loss. Mark, your differential was 16. You beat Charles by a point. Uh-huh. Phil. Your differential was 15. You beat Mark by a point. You won because CJ lost because I picked Montreal to win. Okay? I'm not happy about this. I'm not doing real well this year. Not only am I not losing by points, I'm not even picking the right team. Okay? This is not good. This is not good. Okay. So you're saying I'm, go over to- I'm, I'm something that, that neither the Calgary Stampeders – or the BC Lions will be this year, and that's two and zero. Bill, fuck off. Hmm. Okay, just just want to throw that out there. Go back in your corner. Okay, Calgary Stampeders, we're playing with the Ottawa Red Blacks in Calgary. Oh, tough place to play. They did okay. 
Calgary didn't play so good. Maybe there's a little bit of grounding happening here with the Stampede. Nah, I don't know. First game of the season. Who gives a shit, right? Okay. So, Wills, your team. Bring it home. Talk to us. Well, I could either take this one of two ways. I can tell you guys, see, I told you Dominic Davis was good. Okay? He didn't play badly. He didn't play badly. No, he okay? did not. Um, um, you know, I hate for a game like that to be lost by Calgary because Trey Roberson played his ass off. He had three picks. Okay? Like, that guy was like nobody could stop him yesterday. He's so far ahead of everybody right now. It's scary, which I don't like because that means next season he's going to the NFL or some team's going to offer him a big money and he's not going to be in Calgary. So, but Larry Highby's grandson, just so you know, and you all know this. Um, you know what? Calgary ran the ball nine times. Okay. Um, there are a thousand things that can go wrong when you pass the ball. There's not many things that can go wrong when you run the ball. And as a, as a former offensive lineman, I used to love running the ball because you used to get to smack people all the time. And I always worried about Dave Dickinson when he took over as the head coach because he's a pass-happy kind of guy. And yesterday it showed um, I, I noticed some very uncharacteristic things of the Stampeders yesterday. Uh, the first one is they got a couple of penalties for crap after the play. That's not a Calgary team. And if those guys continue to be that way, they won't be on Calgary's team because the Stampeders don't let guys do that. Um, they, one of the big question marks coming into the season this year was their defensive line, and they had two starters go down yesterday during the game, and they don't have depth on their defensive line either. So um, they just, Ottawa just ran the ball at will, and uh, Stampeders couldn't stop them. And, and you couldn't and it stop also them? Doesn't, no, they, and they it ran- also doesn't help that 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 Alex Singleton's not back there either. So um, they had some highlights. They had some lowlights. They lost the freaking game. And the biggest uncharacteristic thing of them was when Ottawa went up near the end of the game. In the past, when that happens, you know the Stampeders are going to come back and win. It was it Mark, was it two years ago? Uh, Winnipeg went up on them with 21 seconds left in the game and they marched the ball 72 yards and scored a touchdown. You didn't have that feeling yesterday. You didn't have that feeling yesterday. So that's a character thing. I mean, I know they have lots of new players. Uh, I wasn't impressed in general. And the offense was off. Um, They didn't try and run the ball. And they got to change those things. Are they're not going to be? Uh, they're not going to be very good this year. And I know it's only the first game, 
And the best comment I heard from a fan on the way home, on the way home from the football game last night, listening to the talk radio show, he called into the show and said, are you ready? Dave Dickinson should be fired. What? And I laughed my ass off. I laughed my ass off. It was hilarious. Okay? Like, where do these guys come from? Okay? If Dave Dickinson got fired tomorrow, he'd have nine he'd not have nine job offers. So anyways, that's my take on it. I wasn't happy about it. I'm not gonna be happy until they beat B C in two weeks. And uh, then I'll be very happy. So there you go. Okay. First off, I have uh, two things for you, two comments here. You said that Ottawa ran the ball at will. Why didn't you stop them, Will? And why were they up in the stands? I knew I knew that was a play on words, Christopher. Okay, so I just ignored it. Um, will would have stopped them, okay? But if Will was the OC, he would have ran the fucking ball a lot more if he was Calgary's guy. So. Okay. Okay. Second thing, if Dave Dickinson got fired, he'd have nine job offers tomorrow. Who would be the ninth team? Because Calgary just fired him, there would be eight job offers. Yeah. Who would no, be no. the ninth? No, no, I, Halifax. Halifax. I, I forgive me. I forgot they were they were actually a, a team. Oh, wait a minute. No, they're not. <laughs> I got you. Uh-huh. Yeah, but didn't they hire a general manager or something or something like that? They don't have an arena. They don't have anything, but they hired somebody. I well, didn't they hire Eric Eric Tillman? Uh, yeah, the they vice did. president of football I operations. I, yeah, I, I think they did. So I don't know. Charles, yeah, answer but, that question, then tell us about this game. They did hire Eric Tillman, didn't they? Or did they did? they announce it, but they didn't? Isn't that what happened? Or Halifax? Didn't the Who Halifax franchise? I thought Halifax, I never the, heard. the Schooners, announced that Eric Tillman was going to be the director of football operations, and then like four days later, I, I think they suspended that concept or something. Uh, I could be totally wrong on this thing, but I, I, I very vaguely remember something like that happening. I don't remember hearing that myself. I mean, maybe it did happen, and I'm not remembering. I don't remember that happening, but it is possible. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm going to look it up. No, I'm, I just actually Googled his name now. I don't I don't notice that anywhere, but maybe... Oh, you know what? You're right. I just on his Wikipedia page, and it says here, after Tillman's contract with the Tiger Cats expired in December 2018, he elected to leave the team and join the Atlantic Schooners, a pro CFL expansion team, as vice president of football operations. So that did go. happen. And in fact, Ta-da! I just pulled up a news article. So- there you, oh, there you go. He would offer Dave Dickinson a job right away. He would have. He should have. Definitely. Oh. Even though he didn't have a GM. Okay, well, good good job. Good call. I'm impressed. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, talk okay. about the game well, now, Charles. This game, well, to be honest, I did not see a whole lot of it because I was, of course, en route to the BC Winnipeg game. So uh, what I'm doing, uh, basically, um, I'm doing based on pretty much highlights and a few to- uh, little bit of the game I did see. They had uh, 
the game on the screen that BC plays for a little while during the pregame warm-up. Um, surprise? Uh, very much surprised. In fact, I think you can draw a lot of parallels between the Calgary Stampeders and the BC Lions this week because they were almost carbon copies of one another. Didn't run the ball enough, uh, made too many stupid mistakes, and uh, I think you can um, look at that. Um, Calgary, um, I know it's week one, and I know week one is going to – Calgary is not the same team this year they have been. And I think that's obvious, and I've been thinking that entire uh, – right through the uh, preseason. Uh, I just don't see – I just – a team with so many changes, and they had a lot of changes, uh, they are bound to have some uh, hiccups, especially early on, because they're still learning to play with one another. Uh, so I would not shock me to see the Stampeders struggle a little bit more. Uh, Dominic Davis, I wanted to address him because he played well and yet he didn't play well because he, he actually had decent passing yardage, 276 yards. Uh, he had uh, three rushing touchdowns, although that's a little bit through leading because I think they were all one-yard plunges. But you also got to look at the fact that he threw four interceptions. That's way too many interceptions, and that's been a problem with Dominic Davis in the past. Um, Moses Madu, uh stepped in uh, as the starting running back uh, in place uh, in the spot that William Powell had last week. He had a very good game, 24 carries for 112 yards. Um, on the other side of the ball, You've got to run more than nine times. Um, that's got to be the low of any team this week. Actually, wait a minute. Scratch that. Um, but, yeah, you've got to run the ball more. The problem is is if you're doing nothing but running the ball, or excuse me, if you're doing nothing but passing the ball, and the defense knows you're not a threat to run, it makes it a whole lot easier to defend against you. And you we're think? going to talk about that in the next game, too, because, quite frankly, it was the same thing. Uh, but they've got to pass the ball more. And, um, yeah, again, this is one This is one. even so. Calgary had the lead for the majority of the game. And typically, if Calgary has a lead going into the fourth quarter at home, that's pretty – has normally been the case that that's been – Lockdown City, and they're basically on their way to a victory. Didn't happen on Saturday night, and um, that's strange because Calgary is normally a dominant team at home. I think they've only lost there three or four times in the last two to three or four years. But, yeah, to lose their first one on home field, that's a team that's got some work to do. This is not the same Sam Peters team that hoisted the Grey Cup last November. They're going to go through some growing pains. So we'll see how they're able to turn it around uh, going into next week. And Ottawa, even though they lost or with that win, that's got to give them a whole lot of confidence. So whether they can keep it up, I'm still not told Dominic Davis is a starter. Uh, I got to see more from him, and I got to see fewer interceptions. Okay, and that's pretty much it. Mark, jump up. Uh, a lot of what Charles said is what I was actually going to bring up. Thanks, Charles. (laughs) 
But uh, no, Dominic Davis did what he had to do. They kept the playbook small. There wasn't a lot of any kind of really trick play kind of thing. So they did play to the strengths of running the football. Uh, he did a good job when he had to to scramble and and get the inter, get the receptions. But again, four interceptions. Uh, you can't do that over and over and over, especially when you haven't thrown any touchdowns. All his touchdowns were on the ground. So, but Calgary, it's too many guys are gone. Like Will said, there's no depth. And you and even though it's only the first game, it's the third game of preseason, we want to call it. Mitchell was on his ass all game. There was somebody in his face nonstop. I haven't seen him get knocked around like that in a long time. And we all know he hates getting hit. So that offensive line's got a lot of work to do to come together because they're going to have to keep him upright, and he wasn't for a lot of the game. He becomes very ordinary when that happens. Anybody comes fairly very ordinary when that happens, including Mike Bradley. We've seen it. When you've got a guy in your face all game, you start worrying more about getting hit than you do about throwing the ball. It's just human nature. So Mm. It's going to take a while for Calgary to gel. There's so many new players. But like the game coming up that we're going to be talking about, the D-line has a lot of work to do. Both lines do, D-line and O-line. That's it. Okay. Phil, take this one home. Well, it's it's a little bit enjoyable to get started on the Let's Talk CFL podcast in a season where it seems there may finally be a chink in the Huffnagel Dickinson armor. I mean, let's be honest. It hasn't been a dynasty. You, you're not actually thinking that, are you? I am. I really am. Because it hasn't been a dynasty. It's It's been an empire. I'll have to read up on how the Roman Empire ended because it might come in handy this season. Sorry, sorry, Will. Uh, The story going into the game was the three rookies in the Stampeders secondary. It it took a long time for the Red Blacks to expose it, though. Uh, They didn't even go to that side of the field. They were actually picking on the side of the field where where the uh, veterans were. And uh, as, uh, as we can see with the three picks there with Trey Roberson, who had a great game, by the way. Gosh, he was, you didn't want to throw anything near him, but they, they kept doing it. Um, Calgary lost their home opener for the first time since 2011. And I remember some, last week somebody said, don't call this a great cup rematch. Well, you know, it kind of li- lived up to the billing. Um, there were... Uh, Calgary had 22 points off turnovers. So that just shows how many, how few long drives they were able to achieve. Uh, they had 299 yards offense. Uh, when was the last time Calgary put up less than 300 yards offense? Uh, the read option just wasn't working the way it usually does for the Stampeders. So kudos to Ottawa game planning. Um, they, they were kind of ready for it. Their D played a pretty solid game. Ottawa also won the running game, and time of possession 
uh, Madhu was running roughshod over the Stamps' no-name offensive or defensive line. Um, Calgary won the, the arguably, usually, more important stat in turnovers, but uh, it just wasn't enough. Not only was the Ottawa running game clicking, first-year starter Dom Davis spread the ball around okay, uh, as well as providing that key touchdown run. Um, he, he moves around pretty good. He, he's a, he can run. Uh, like, I mean, who throws four picks and, and wins a game? It just, that just never, ever, ever happens. Um, that, that said, he got pretty lucky on that second and long tip ball for a first down there late in the game. That kind of got things rolling for them on a game-winning drive. Uh, that was really, really fortunate. I think that was like a second and 12 or something like that. If I, I, but they were, maybe it wasn't, but they were definitely backed up. They were, you know, around their 10-yard line. Um, really hemmed in, and, and it, didn't, it really didn't look good for them. But uh, with 2.15 left and, uh, and a 28-25 lead, Dickinson and BLM opted for, as they were calling it in Saskatchewan last week, huck and chuck football. Um, they, they could have used a little Stephen McAdoo that night and, uh, and maybe not have just gone as deep. There was a lot of 20-yard-plus passes on that drive. And, and just over and over again, and and that just seems to be the the, the kind of the the bow deal. He he's he's been so successful with it in the past on, on long drives late in the game, and but it's just not the typical kind of play calling you'd like to see. You'd like to see him move that ball down the field because he had certainly enough time to, um, especially with his quick release. You know he get you know in 15 seconds he can he can sometimes get three plays off. Um, but uh, you know, it kind of they kind of lost it on defense late in the game. The Stampeders, like like playing zone late in the game against Brad Sinopoli is a fool's game. It's uh, it's not something you can do. And 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 that's when Ottawa finally started to exploit those those three rookies in the in the secondary for the Stampeders. Uh, and and in the return game. Calgary had had some trouble that Lorenzo Jerome he uh, he mishandled a couple of kicks there, uh, uh, but I think that's pretty correctable and, and they'll get that figured out. But that that certainly hurt him. It put him in real bad field position, some long fields a few times, and uh, it kind of put things behind. Uh, for Wednesday, I'm gonna we're gonna talk some more about the Stamps defensive line. Uh, so I want Will to get ready for that because. Uh, I'm going to have, have a lot more to say about that. That's all I got on the game. You done? Yeah. I'd like to mention it was a did, beautiful... Did you make a whole pile of I, notes I for this? You, I'm just I do, asking a yes, question. Yes. You, you make a lot of notes? Okay. Yep. Yeah. I was curious because yep. I was just wondering, who the hell remembers all this shit? Uh, yep. There you go. Okay. So it was the Calgary Stampeders, victorious over the... Oh, no, that was the Grey Cup. Ottawa Red Blacks, victorious over the Calgary Stampeders, 32-28, four points. Okay, Charles, you picked Calgary to win. You lost. Will, you picked Cal- – of course you picked Calgary to win by 50, po- 50 points. Big 50-burger there. Nope, they lost. Uh, Mark, you picked uh, Calgary to win. You lost. Phil, you picked Calgary to win. You lost. And CJ – CJ picks Calgary to win. He lost. 
Okay, and uh, my point differential was huge. Okay, so I, we nobody won this one. Okay, so there's no points being awarded, but I want you to know that's the third straight loss. I picked three losers this week so far. Three. We all know how the last game turned out. Jesus, I just, I'm starting the season off like I finished last year. Okay. Final game. We got to get going through this. We're we're wasting too much time. Too much time talking about the football games that already happened, and not enough about the future. Uh, Nine o'clock. We're halfway through the show. Uh, last game is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the BC Lions. This was supposed to be the game of the week. Yeah, it was pretty good. Maybe. Depends. Okay, maybe not. Uh, Charles, I'm going to let you go first. You're at the game. You got the Mike Riley bobblehead. Love it. He needed a hat. I wanted a hat too, but it didn't happen. Uh, where to start with this game? To be perfectly honest, for the most part, I don't think the Lions played poorly in this game. I mean, it was a sloppy play game. I don't really think either team really played very well in this game. It was sloppy on both ends. Uh, I think where it boiled down to is that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers had a far more balanced um, attack on offense. Obviously, the Lions forgot that running was a component of football, I think, because they only ran the ball four times. You're not going to win games running four times. As I said in the last game, if all you're doing is passing the ball – it becomes predictable, and it becomes far easier to defend against. If your running backs are not a threat to the uh, defense, and they know they're not threat, and they know that you're not going to run, uh, you're not going to um, um, have much success. The BC Lions, I thought, were the better team in the first half. They went into halftime with a, a three-point lead, uh, they moved the ball very well. One of their first drives, they started on the two-yard line and got it all the way down into the Winnipeg Red Zone. And that's another point I'm going to bring up. The Lions could have been home and cooled out by halftime. They left a lot of points on the field early on. Now, of course, that, again, we go back to is this exhibition game number three. There were clearly times where the offense and the defense we're not on the same page, and that's going to happen this early in the season. This is not unusual. When you only play two preseason games and really have only been practicing for a week with the number one team, you're not going to be uh, as crisp as you're going to be. I mean, Brian Burnham was dropping passes. You never see – he never drops passes. And, again, I think this is all part of a a new new scheme, new offense – a lot of new players. When I said earlier that the Stampede, you could draw parallels between the Stampeders and the Lions, both of these teams had a lot of new faces in their lineup. And both of these teams were not uh, ready. So when we're talking about uh, individual, one of the big issues with the Lions the last year, the last few years, was their offensive line, not being able to protect uh, the quarterback. I thought there was a big improvement in the Lions' offensive line. They only gave up one sack to the Bombers. And it's not like there were a whole pile of times that um, 
Mike Riley was running for his life. The Lions didn't run, period, in that game. And he was not um, – I didn't think he was consistently under threat like some of the quarterbacks in previous years did. But on the Bombers' side, they just had a balanced attack. Andrew Harris, I believe, had 144 yards rushing or something like that. And I think that this that offense, the balanced attack that they had, just wore the Lions' defense down. Matt Nichols was not spectacular in this game. He only had about 169 yards passing. But when you put it together with a very good running game by Andrew Harris, it wore the BC defense down. And I think they were running out of gas at the end of the game, and they just couldn't. They were just having problems stopping the Bombers. And the offense again. Um, hey, I was actually quite impressed with Lamar Durant last night. Lamar Durant had six catches in the game um, for 77 yards. Um, Brian Burnham had a big first half, was not as noticeable in the second half. Deron Carter was decent. He had six catches. But in the end, uh, just too many mistakes on the offense. Uh, Mike Riley had over 300 yards passing. He should have had more than that because there were a lot of drops, and I put them solely on the receivers because um, – those balls were there. You could see they were there, and they just went right through the the, court, the receiver's hands. The other thing is kicking. Uh, they weren't spectacular in the kicking. Um, Sergi, um, oh God, why am I drawing um, his his name? Uh, Castillo. Castillo. Sergio Castillo only averaged 36 yards punting. It's got to be higher than that because that gave the Bombers some some good defense. We also had a convert blocked in return for a two-point convert, which almost never happens. You never see that. So there were two plays. I'm gonna. I've been yammering on too long. There were two plays that I thought were the turning points that led to the Bombers' win. One was the interception by Jeff Heck on the first drive in the third quarter, uh, where the Lions had gone into the. Um, dressing room with a three-point lead, and I'm thinking that if they go down and they get a touchdown again, that could really put the Bombers behind the eight ball. But a big play, uh, Jeff Heck getting the interception, that one I don't really put on Riley because that was actually a ball that got deflected twice. So it was kind of a pinball thing that ended up, and Jeff Heck was just in the right place at the right time. And I just thought, too, that the blocked convert on that one t- after the uh, Lamar Durant touchdown was a really deflating moment for the Lions because they went from being up by three points again to being tied after going down and getting a touchdown. And I kind of thought the air kind of came out of the sails of the Lions at that point. Having said that, it was a spectacular game. It was fun to be watching football. And I don't think the Bombers fans should get too high yet, nor do I think the Lions fans should be jumping off the cliff like some I saw earlier today. It's week one. It's a long season. There's going to be ups, much more ups and downs coming up. Okay. Thank you, Charles. Uh, Mark, you're going to go next. Winnipeg Blue Bomber fan. Go at it. I um, wanted to add one thing for Deron Carter. Yeah, he had a good game. But he doesn't like footsteps. No, he does. Over the middle. And hecked who was still only about four or five yards away from him, he just stopped and stuck out his hand to deflect the ball down. That's not going to go over well in the dressing room. Ooh. But 
Um, this was the Andrew Harris game. BC had him stuffed a little bit in the first quarter, and that's when he just seemed to take it over. There was a couple of run plays. There was a screen pass and a run play where both of them, he had a good 10 yards before there was a lion even coming towards him. And he wasn't even running hard. It almost looked like he was just in a, a practice. He really made it look easy last night, and I was very happy to see that. The offensive line is definitely a work in progress. Um, thankfully, Nichols has slimmed down a little bit and improved his mobility because he was on the run a lot. He has and mobility? He Used it yesterday to extend plays, scored a couple of He's touchdowns. He's a pylon. Yeah. Well, the $700,000 quarterback has the stats. But you've got the better percentage going to Winnipeg. You've got three touchdowns, no interceptions. So, really, you can have the yards. It's the touchdowns and interceptions that matter at the end of the day. So no, it's the W's. It's the W's, and he protected the, the ball. Nichols' job is to protect the ball. Wolitarski had a great game. And unfortunately, I think he may have done something to his elbow because he took a good helmet. Oh, and in the game last night, there was a helmet-to-helmet hit, and it was a football play. Bang, bang. It was there was a yeah. lot of bomber fans were starting to scream about there was a helmet to helmet, not even just bomber fans, it was just people chiming in on the page saying that see, they're protecting the quarterbacks, but not the receivers. That was a helmet to helmet and that's a football play. They're big yeah. guys. It was just it it is what it is with that. And again, Medlock had a very good game punting. Another coffin corner punt to start the season. I'd love to see that. There's a lot of work to do. It was sloppy. But overall, I'll take the two points. Yeah, because that's all you're going to get. Oh, did I say that out loud? Phil, talk football. Keep it tight. Let's go. Got Will to go. Where'd you go, Phil? Turn on your mic. Phil hung up. He needs you to phone him back. No, oh, no, yeah. no. I get, I don't have his mic open. Sorry, man. That's, that's, that's my my bad. No. My bad. Are you there, Phil? Talk, Phil. He just posted his number again. I know, but I still got him up. I had him in the in the control room in the silent room. Now he's back on. Opened his mic up, but he's not there. Okay, Phil, go ahead. <laughs> Um, you know what? I, I think the uh, BC uh, Winnipeg game was pretty much like Charles said, like the Calgary uh, Ottawa game. I was impressed with Winnipeg. I was really, really, really impressed with Andrew Harris. He looked like he was in mid-season form. Um, uh, but you know what? Andrew Harris has never been the problem. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how well. Things work out for the Bombers, and it was the first game, and and 
we all said this last week that out of everybody, they should be the team that is most familiar with each other because they they didn't uh, look very bad at all. I'm not sold, Mark. I'm not sold on this. Uh, what was his name? This fifteen seconds or what? Or Whitey? What's his name? I can't remember. He was a he's a receiver who can catch head. the ball. So. Lucky no, White, lucky White. He was too busy diving to try to make the big catch. Yes, and and he he looks like he's super fast, but I don't know if he can catch the ball. So there's been many of those in the CFL. Okay, fast guys who can't catch the ball, but hey, you never know. But Winnipeg looks good. We have to give them all credit for it, and we'll see what happens. It's a long season. Anyways, go ahead. I'm trying to get Phil back in. I think he's here somewhere. Oh, I got him here twice. Okay, so he may have called in. Let's just open up both mics. Phil, um, where are you? Are you, there? are you there? I'm here now. Yep, sorry about okay. that. I accidentally hung up my phone. Okay, did you call back in? Uh, yes, I did, yeah. Did I, I called I you. Which... I, I called you, and I got your answering machine. And so there's this big, long message from us on your answering machine. No worries. Okay. But you do know this is a long-distance right. charge for you, right? No worries. Yep. You okay? I got American free calling, so. Yep. There, I got there you American go. Free okay. Calling, so I'm okay. Good. All right. So I, the Winnipeg, and I've Winnipeg also got BC your answering game. machine happening here again. So I'm just going to hang that up. You there? Yep, I am. Phil? Okay, yep. okay. Yep. I had to hang up the number, so I, I just I made a guess. I, I was good. Okay, so Winnipeg talk football. I will. I will keep it tight, as tight as I can, because it was an exciting game. The question on everybody's lips is, will Mike Riley miss the playoffs yet again for another season? No. That's ridiculous. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, kidding But they're going to have to run the ball more than four times, for sure. Uh, Love, Jack. Yeah, I, I liked Mark pointing out uh, the Jeff Hecht uh, scare that he threw in at Deron Carter. Loved that, giving the chicken wings to Deron Carter. That was that was great. And and Jeff Hecht with two picks last night. I mean, he should retire now. That that's he doubled him up for his career. And you know, as maybe the most questionable starting safety in the CFL, I would just hang him up right now. That's that's a career. Sorry, sorry, Mark. And uh, Mike Riley, Canadian. Mike, Mike Riley, uh, uh, 22 or 39, 56%. That's not, not. Uh, he, you know, he's usually a little more accurate passer than that. Um, but the four rushing uh, attempts. That, to be fair, there were five or six balls that were clearly dropped by the receivers that should have been caught. Uh, especially that Duran Carter one. Yeah. Uh, you know, but running the ball only four times. You know, okay, Riley is good, but but he's no Ken Austin style gunslinger, right? So I, I kind of question the strategy. Um, I think I think the running game would would help a Mike Riley a lot. Um, it's also uh, it, it, strange. It was one point in the game where Riley early on uh, uh, he had to fight against tax attacks by his own home stadium sound system. I, if you, you were there, uh, Charles, you probably noticed that. Eh? Uh, the the uh, I don't know if they actually took a time count violation, but they had some trouble there in the first quarter uh, 
uh, with some screw-ups in the sound system that, uh, you know, you guys like to use the can noise out there, and they were they were using the can noise while the BC offense was on the field, which was they must don't use can noise. That's a fallacy. They, they have never used can noise at BC Play Stadium. That's not true. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, but you know, much like asses that keep going with this. But for for I, I felt sorry for Riley because it must have sucked to be on the road for his first home game in his new stadium at, uh, in the first quarter there. But uh, so I I'll wrap it up real quick. Uh, but uh, listen to Farhan uh, today or yesterday, uh, and and kind of reading between, between the lines, it sounds like BC has a has a real problem with Canadian talent. Uh, bringing back a safety and, and playing a questionable receiver who played Canadian junior in, in 2018 uh, right now. So it looks like, looks like the Lions are scrambling a little bit on the roster with the Canadian talent thing. And uh, I'm really here just to stir up trouble, you know, in, in BC. So that, that's, that's really all I got tonight. Yeah. I'm going to hang up on you. Fair thought I'd share that. Just thought I'd share that with you. William, go ahead. Talk football. I already went. Oh, did you? I didn't know you yeah. went on this one. I thought I started with Charles and went to Mar. Oh, yeah. And went, never mind, never mind, never mind. Okay, so, yeah. I'm, not I'm sorry. I'm having a bad time here. Uh, okay, so that uh, that was the end of that game. Uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers beating the BC Lions 33-23. Uh, Charles, you lost that one, no doubt. Will, you picked it. Diff was nine. Mark, the diff was seven. Phil, you lost. CJ lost four straight. You loser. God damn. Mark, you won this one. You get a you get a little point. So. Standings at the end of week one, Phil two. Of course, he's gonna. He has to pay for his ability or his right to be on here. So the first ten points don't really count for Phil. Okay, so we'll we'll get to that later. Mark won. Okay, he won this all last year, didn't you, Mark? I think Mark won it last year. Um, yeah. Yep. So throw this in the garbage. Uh, it's it's over. The week one is over. Preseason over. Who gives a shit? It's done. Let's let's watch some football coming up next week. We've got some more games. Okay, I'm gonna throw this in the garbage. I don't have to pay attention to any of this anymore. Okay, so um, what's next on the agenda? Simone Lawrence's hit on Zach Caleros. Was it dirty? No. Will he be suspended? Probably. Will he appeal it? Ah, that's the question. If he gets a one-game suspension and he appeals it, I'm kind of looking at his honor a little bit. If they give him a two-game suspension, the, the CFLPA is automatically going to uh, appeal it, and he'll get a one-game suspension or maybe not none at all. Uh, do I think it was a dirty hit? No, it wasn't a dirty hit. Was it a penalty? Of Yes, of course it was. You make any contact with a quarterback's head, it doesn't matter whether it's your little pinky or your jersey or your shoulder pad. It's a penalty, okay? Was it head to he- helmet to helmet? No, it wasn't. He turned his helmet away. He hit him with the shoulder, uh, pounded his head backwards pretty good, concussed Zach. Well, okay, he's on his fourth or fifth concussion. You get them regularly, 
with like the sun going be- behind the cloud. Okay, once you get to that certain point, it's it it's going to happen all the time, more often and more often. It doesn't take a vicious hit to concuss a person. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've seen Buck Pierce get up better off of the field after hits like this. Uh, anyhow, that's beside the point. It was not a dirty hit. I, I'm i a huge Zach Caleros fan. I love the kid. I, I think he's one of the most talented quarterbacks that we've seen in the CFL for a long time. He just doesn't get any breaks. He's played for two teams. Both teams don't know how to build an O-line, and he pays the price. Zach is now, you know, everybody's saying, well, should he retire? He should retire. No, he shouldn't retire. He's been put on the six-game injury list. Why? Because if he retires right now and says, that's it, I'm done, I'm, I, there's no way I want to do this, he doesn't get paid for the rest of the season. At least this way, he's going to collect $400,000, $450,000 to sit at home. Okay? Good on him. Get on the sixth game, stay there for the rest of the season, retire at the end of the year. Nobody is going to question your ethics if you do that. Nobody. Uh-uh. Ricky Ray, we're not going to do it to you. You should not be playing football. Stay home. Stay home. Watch it on TV. Enjoy it. Drink a beer. Hang out with the family. Enjoy your paycheck of $450,000 and think about what you're doing after football because it's going to happen sooner than you want it to. Again, not a not a dirty hit. Simone Lawrence will get fined. Will he get suspended? <sighs> I think he has to. Otherwise, the Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans are going to go off and lynch Ambrosi. But I don't think he should be suspended. Fine, I'm sure. It was a penalty. They gave him 25 yards on it. I thought that was a little excessive, but so be it. Uh, Who wants to talk on this one first? Will, you. Yeah, I think it was pretty good. I think it was sorry? a dirty hit. You think um, it was? I think it was a dirty hit. Yeah, okay. he led with his head. Okay, he led with his head. And, and, but the worst thing is, and this But did he hit with his head? Course. Well, just let me finish talking, please. Okay. The hit was not that. The hit was not that excessive, and he still concussed. What does that tell you? He shouldn't be playing football. Fine. Find a new career, okay? Because I'm thinking someone could have slapped him on the top of the head and he would have been concussed. And and as much as I wouldn't like a guy's career to be over, number one, it's not Simone Lawrence's fault that his career is going to be over, okay? Um, he's had, what, I think four in the last two years? Three in the they last are, 11 months. And, and I, and I know for some people this word is big. They are exponential. Every time you get one, they get worse, and it happens easier. Okay? So, but I still think it was a – you know what? When a quarterback is running, and maybe he left his feet before the quarterback decided to hook slide, I, I think there should be in the rule of the CFL, you brought it up the other day, Christopher, that – they shouldn't be able to run past the uh, the line, line of, scrimmage of scrimmage or whatever. I, that that's then they're not really football players. But I think when a guy slides feet first, nobody should touch him. Period. That's that's impossible. So, but, but he, 
What do you mean it's impossible? It's impossible. If one guy launches it, a linebacker's running like a freight train, okay? And it's just at the yep. last second this yep. guy decides to fall down in front of him. How can you possibly blame the linebacker for not being able to stop on a dime? He doesn't have dip breaks. I, I'm sorry. The, the, the quarterbacks are going to get hit. And whether they hook light or not, yeah, good for them. It just depends on how quickly they hook slide. I think Zach Caleros is kind of at fault here for hook sliding too late. Okay, I didn't want to bring this up because I know people are going to whine and cry and bitch at me. But seriously, if you're going to go up there and you're going to commit to a run and you see a freight train coming at you, get on the ground. Don't wait till the last second because you want that but extra he, but he did. He did. He did get on the ground. He did. Late. You're, you're saying that Simone Lawrence hit him late? Well, I'm saying Calero slid late. Yeah, but did Simone Lawrence launch through the air like a missile? Because yeah, he, he did. That's didn't his think job. Calero's was going down? How do you know? How did he know Calero's was going you, down? You cannot, you cannot lead with your head. And that's what he did. He didn't. He did. Oh my God! Uh, he Lord. did. He may have but, tried to pull back, a, but he was a, going ahead. For as a matter, as a matter of fact, I'm trying to find it right now because I still have the game. I haven't uh, watched it. it, it it's up on Let's Talk. Yet. You can go look at it. It's easy to look at. Why? Well, you can't blame Simone Lawrence for that. Okay. Anyways, I, I, the overall thing for me is that Claire shouldn't have been on the field. No. Period. He shouldn't have been. Just because the Riders failed to land themselves a quality quarterback doesn't mean they should have brought him back. He shouldn't have come back this year at all. Whether he wanted to or not, no team should have brought him back. Okay. Mark, in here. Shut me up, please. I do think it was a bit of a dirty hit, and only that... When you see it, you don't look at the slow-mo. I hate looking at slow-mo video because it doesn't tell you the real what's going on. The biggest problem with that makes me think it was almost deliberate is he dove down. Yeah, and he did go head first, but then at the last second he moved his head. I'll give him that. He moved his head. Yeah, he, got, he rolled it. But he did go head first, and he dove, when you watch the video, he goes straight down. So was he trying to tackle, if he thought he was going to do a juke, like he says, was he trying to tackle his ankles? He wasn't that low. Look at it again. He's only, I am. I've looked at it lots. He's low. He's going down. He's not going up. He's not going straight. He's headed downward. It was a bang-bang play. You know, everybody's saying there was five yards. Well, when you look at a screen cap of it, it was about two and a half, maybe three and a half yards. That's not a lot of reaction time. They do have to suspend them, and they do have to try to get the two-game suspension maximum because then then it sets a precedent. Uh, Ambrosi has to suspend them. It's not just Ryder fans that are pissed. As you can tell from our page. Oh, yeah. 
the the entire CFL is pissed. All the fans from across every team are pissed. So there's only a few of us that are trying to stay logical with it and not get the emotions. You know, everybody's saying that a couple of people have said Lawrence has targeted five guys with headshots. Which is bullshit. Well, yeah, as soon as you put out the comment of actually he's never been suspended or fined, so there's no record of him being a super dirty player, unless you're talking to Henry Burris. And that wasn't a dirty hit. Well, I know. Some people think it was. You're never going to change their minds. Yeah, it's one of those things. But they do have to throw the book at them here to show they're serious about protecting the quarterback and getting rid of headshots. And at the end of the day, you know, you don't want to say it's Calaros' fault, and it's not, I don't think. It's not. But it's the CFLPA and the rest of the players in the league's fault. They could easily get it out of the game. It's also up to the players here. The CFLPA is going to go to the bat for who? They're going to go to bat for Simone Lawrence and try to get it knocked down from two games to one or just a fine or whatever. What is that doing for Zach Claros? You're helping the guy that's being penalized, but the guy that got injured, yeah, no, sorry, you're on the six game, see ya. Yeah. So it's up to the CFLPA, and the players always, all off season, we're talking about the brotherhood leading up to the negotiations, and we're an association, we're a brotherhood. Well, this just proved you're not immediately proved you're not a brotherhood, it's a farce. Stop talking out of your ass and prove to the fans that you guys want to change as well. Until the players decide to take it out and not do it, you're going to have it. Go ahead. That's a fact. Charles. Yeah, Mark kind of stole my thunder because I was going to bring this up too about the Players Association because no matter what, if he gets suspended, the Players Association are going to uh, appeal this. They always do. Isn't it interesting how they always take one guy's side over? Is Zach Caleros not a member of the Players Association? Kind of like ICBC. Yeah, exactly. It's nonsense. Uh, Wasn't it dirty hits? He did move his head to try and get back, but, I mean, he was sliding. I mean, I'm not blaming Zach Caleros in this uh, situation, but he does have some culpability because he, I think he should have, uh, have um, slid earlier. Um, but they are going to have to suspend him, I think. I, they want to let people know that they are serious on head injuries. They're serious on uh, protecting quarterbacks. So they're going to want to make an example of um, of um, Simone Lawrence. I'm sorry, right or wrong, he did hit him. There was contact in the head. He's out, um, and that's what it is. So, yeah, I think Simone Lawrence is probably going to get um, two games, and we'll see what happens after the PA inevitably appeals. Uh, was it a dirty hit? At best, I could say it's borderline. Uh, at worst, yeah, it was a dirty hit. But you know what? Um, Simone Lawrence, 
I've heard a lot of people calling Simone Lawrence a repeat offender. He's not. He has never been fined nor suspended for disciplinary action, for cheap hits. Uh, what's his name? The guy from uh, Montreal. Uh, what's his name? That was Tyrese Bear. Yes, he's a repeat offender. He's a guy that's more... Simone Lawrence is not a repeat offender. And uh, there's a couple, one other thing. I mean, Zach Caleros, for your own good, retire. I like Zach Caleros. I don't want to see the guy in a wheelchair when he's 40. And concussions compound. I believe this is his third or fourth concussion in 11 months. If that doesn't tell you you should retire, I don't know what will. At this point, I'm convinced that if Zach Caleros got hit the wrong way by a feather floating through the air, he'd get a concussion. And I'm only half joking about that because it's gotten to the point where this guy is a... I'm sorry, I know it was a hard hit, but if you can only last three plays of a new season, you shouldn't be playing football. And by the way, people saying that Caleros should retire is not um, taking any blame away from Simone Lawrence. I've heard a couple of idiots online saying, oh, well, you're just taking the blame away from Simone Lawrence. No, we're not doing that. We're saying he should retire so the guy has a quality of life after football and isn't walking around talking to fire hydrants. We want the guy to, you know, uh, be, I mean, do something else <laughs> in football. Become a coach. Become a mentor. Don't just walk or don't just sit there and say, oh, I'll be okay. I'll get back in. No. Three concussions in 11 months is three concussions too many. This guy's got to retire and move on. And uh, you know, writer fans are like, oh, well, blah, 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 blah. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. The writers have great medical, uh, great medical staff. Oh, really? So they put the guy out there and he gets hurt in three plays? How great is your medical staff? The guy shouldn't have been playing. He should have never been brought back last year, and he needs to retire. Enough is enough. Can't argue with that. Phil, you get to go. All right. Uh, I don't think that Simone Lawrence consciously intended to risk the health of Zach Claros. This is what I do believe, however. The hit, the launching, was reckless. Some of the best defensive players do play this game with reckless abandon. I still believe it was a dirty hit, especially from an eight-year veteran who should have been able to see exactly what was happening. I mean, I get the Angelo Mosca, Willie Fleming feeling right now. I've heard some interesting comments the last couple of days. Somebody said, uh, do low salaries lead to more hits in the CFL, more head hits in the CFL than the NFL? Because there's less at stake. That's silly. Something I brought up here a couple of days ago, and... I think it's been echoed since then in Saskatchewan by at least one media outlet is do only five padded practices contribute to these early big season hits from the big hitters? Like, like let's look to last year with Ricky Ray in the second game of the season. You know, the big, the big hitting 
linebackers, they're looking for some contact, and they haven't been getting it. And maybe that's contributing to these early season head hits. Uh, on Caleros getting down late and Simone's own comments, someone I was talking to pointed out that, that uh, there was two other players closer that were about to make contact on that play than the four-yard Simone was back, and they were able to pull up and could clearly see that he was in a slide. This, this is three games in a row now, guys, where a rider quarterback has, who has started the game has been knocked out by a hit to the head. Uh, it, particularly saddening that there was no ejections, um, at least on the last two. The, the CFL really needs to adopt the NCAA targeting rule and have and stop the game and have a have a clear look at these at these hits to the head, because it, an ejection I think would have been a, a suitable suitable thing to be done on Thursday night. Charles makes a great I point agree. that. that Charles makes a terrific point that both players belong to the Players Association, but only one will technically be represented by them this week. And, and that's kind of sad. Only, only the perpetrator in, in, in this event is, is going to have representation available. Yep. That's all I got, guys. Okay. Is that the end? That's it for me. Is that everybody? Well, Okay, let's move on from this. I've heard way too much about Simone Lawrence and Zach Galeros. There's no, there's no way, end all, be end all. He will definitely be uh, be suspended. There's no doubt there. But it's how bad and will it be appealed? Uh, speaking of suspensions and appeals, Red Black's Jonathan Rose avoids suspension for hitting an official last season. Pays fine. Does this end send the wrong message? If this guy was suspended for hitting an official. He was suspended. Okay, they appealed it. He got his suspension. How? I'm sorry. He hit an official. He pushed an official down to the ground. Okay. Yeah, he was trying to get at somebody else, but he pushed the official out of his way. He should have been suspended and not allowed to play in the Grey Cup game because that's what should have happened. But he appealed it because, well, that's what the CFLPA does is they don't accept the fact that their players do anything wrong. So we never heard a thing about anything. We still haven't heard whether or not the appeal was good or not. We never heard that. There was never an announcement. All there was 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 that Jonathan Rose is playing football. And he played for the Ottawa Red Blacks, and he intercepted Bo Levi Mitchell on one of the latter plays of the game, which basically ended the drive for the Saskatchewan or Calgary Stampeders. It's a travesty. Are you allowed to smack officials around? It, it, It would appear that way. Is this a precedence that has now been set? Yeah, I'm going to hit an official. I'm going to play in the Grey Cup. And you know what? Oh, I'm not going to get suspended at all. This is what it says to me. Is that what it's saying to the other football players? Well, what do you think of Jonathan Rose playing in the Calgary Stampeder game and intercepting Bo Levi Mitchell and 
giving the big L to your team. So, so my question, my question was, um, how how did that happen? Because I thought he had to be suspended for the first game. And that's so what he, I thought. He that's went before them, and they they did they did they they find him or something, and that was it. We we never had an announcement. There was never any disclosure happened. Usually, there's a big statement from okay, the CFL well, or CFL that that the league that says what happened. It never that didn't come so out. It's 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 open season on on officials now. Is that what it is? Yep. Once it would again, appear that Ambrose way. is doing things. Once again, Ambrosie is doing things that you gotta shake your head at. <laughs> and I am about to go and look to see if it, it. Did you guys look around to see if it was announced anywhere? It, it, it was. I've been watching. I know they did say something on the game yesterday because I was watching it this afternoon and I can't remember right off the top of my head. Nothing was said, said by, but apparently. Nothing was said by anybody until um, the fans kind of went nuts on and on social media. Then it came out. Oh. Let me see. Well, that's bullshit. So, so, you know, does that mean if Simone Lawrence gets suspended, can he appeal that? Yes, he can. And does he pay a fine and still get to play? Probably. Possibly. It's just stupid. Yes, it's just dumb. And in my mind, it doesn't matter... Okay, we we saw. I thought we saw this year in the NHL playoffs. A guy got suspended during the playoffs. Well, if he made that, if Rose did what he did, he shouldn't have been in the Great Cup. It's that simple. Agreed. It's not Calgary's fault that he screwed up and he wouldn't be in the Great Cup. But I don't know. I guess they just. There's exceptions to the rule for some reason because, I don't know, maybe it'll make for less of a game. But, yeah, and as far as throwing the interception yesterday, the Stamps weren't going to win anyway, so it really didn't matter to me. But would that interception have been made if Jonathan Rose had been, had been suspended? Probably not. So there you go. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. I have no response. Uh, Charles. It's complete and utter crap as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I know we talked about the league wanting to talk about player safety and stuff like that, but apparently the uh, officials have no uh, right to safety because players can just go knock them down whenever they want and just play a little fine and uh, move on. Uh, it's complete nonsense. Um First of all, I would say back in the playoffs last year that Jonathan Rose should not have played in the Grey Cup game because of this stupid appeals um, rule. And they had a week, uh, but they said they couldn't get uh, a hearing on time. I don't know why, mind you. They had a whole week to do it. But then they said, okay, well, we're going to suspend you at the beginning of next season. I remember them saying that. And the beginning of next season comes around, and, oh, well, we're not going to suspend you anymore. You just pay a fine. A fine for knocking down an official? 
going back to hockey, Tom Lysiak of the Chicago Blackhawks once tripped an official. He got a 20-game suspension. But in the CFL, you get a fine for knocking down an official? Ridiculous. I remember someone I saw someone said last week that the CFL officials should go on strike. And you know what? Uh, they could have. Because quite frankly, uh, if I was a official and I saw this guy get away with no suspension, I'd have been pissed right off, quite frankly. And it sends a terrible message. And now what? Are we going to have guys knocking down officials and then they're going to point, well, Jonathan Rose did the same thing and didn't even um, didn't even uh, get suspended. So I'm sorry. I think this sets a horrible precedence, and I think it's a real mistake, and this is going to cause problems in the future. Well, if you remember, I said that the officials should boycott the Grey Cup game. If he got to play in the Grey yeah. Cup game, they, the, the officials should have boycotted them and say, no, our our safety is important. But that didn't happen. And I I got chastised by many. And uh, I, I think I was right because, like, now, I, you know, six months later, it, it's meaningless. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a weird one for me. Mark, your thoughts? Yeah, actually, Charles, that was me that brought that out, that they should have boycotted the game. Oh, I yeah, I couldn't remember who it was. Yeah, I thought every ref should have stood up and just said, nope, don't. We're not coming to the games. Find some scabs. Um, there's an added dynamic to the refing this year as well. So we have a scrum on the sidelines like we did with Rose. And he starts pushing that ref backwards, throws her to the ground. Oh, my God. The precedent has been set. It's a fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I think it's more than a fine. I think he's in a little bit of doo-doo there. The precedent has been set with the CFLPA, though. It's a fine. Yeah. There's a lot, well, right, there's a lot riding on the Simone Lawrence decision. Well, not pertaining. It, I mean, it does, far more on the Jonathan Rose in. decision. Yeah, but, you know, the two of them do work together because it's so close right now together. Without social media blowing up, nobody would have even known that all he got was a fine. They didn't make an announcement at all. Zero. No, nobody from the CFL has come out and said he's been fined. So they tried to sweep it under the rug. What happens in a scrum when they throw a woman to the ground? It's a very good question. They're hooped. It's it's not going to be pretty. No. Mm-hmm. 
it's open season. Like I said, it's at the bad, bad precedence. Go ahead, though. That's it. Yeah. Who who wants to? Go? Who's next, Phil? Go ahead. Phil. Okay. Without touching on gender, because there's more of them than I can keep track of these days, I'm going to kind of disagree with the rest of the panel on this one. To me, I watched it again today. It looked like a, a hockey line brawl, and the official was kind of, just kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. It all happened so fast. You know, you, you watch these replays, they're in slow-mo again. And uh, it wasn't just a little fine, to be fair. Uh, he was, unlike Simone Lawrence, he was ejected from an Eastern final playoff game in the second quarter. So and he should have been. Big aff- yep, I, I agree. I agree. The, the penalty for Jonathan Rose was appropriate at the time, in my opinion. That's all I got. So you don't think he should have been suspended? No, absolutely not. Not for that. For assaulting an official? Not, 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 not the way he assaulted that particular official. In the, in the in the high speed, if you watch it in high speed, uh, no, it was it was it was like a hockey brawl. There was bodies flying everywhere. And and, yeah. and that justifies it or excuses it? No, 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 no. It doesn't. Minimum no. one game nope. suspension. Minimum one game suspension. You you don't touch an you official. You don't touch an official. I don't care. I don't care if, what it is. You do you do not touch an official. I don't care. That's a simple thing. You know what? People are going to make all sorts of excuses for that then. Oh, well, it was going too fast, and I thought this was a player, and blah, 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 blah. It's just, it's crazy. You can't let that go. You have to set a lot. We talked about earlier about the CFL setting um, a bar, making a, an example out of a guy like Simone Loris for hitting a quarterback. You've got to do the same thing with Jonathan Rose. You cannot... Just let that go. You've got to suspend them. Otherwise, people are going to get more and more adventurous when it comes to getting going into officials that they're upset with. I understand what you're saying, Phil, but I cannot agree with that because you have to be able to uh, protect your official. They're not even wearing pads. And I know if you've got guys that are coming in, uh, and I get what you're saying. It was a heated thing, but again then you're going to have too many people. If you've got to do a scrum, a player's going to say, oh, well, I'll just go knock this official over, and I'll just say, oh, it was part of the scrum. I didn't know what I was doing. It's too dangerous a presence. You've got to at least, if you go over and you take out an official, you've got to get at least a one-game suspension as far as I'm concerned. I'm not jumping on anyone. I'm just saying it, that doesn't make sense to me. I just don't think there was any kind of intent there, like, say, the Dennis Weidman body check on the linesman in Calgary, anything like that. It was, uh, you know, you, you see this in, in hockey all the time. You see officials getting bowled over, and, and there's no suspensions for it in, in kind of a line brawl that happens very quickly. It happens often, uh, or, or the suspensions are very minimal. And let, let's face it, in hockey, a, a one- or two-game suspension is nothing like a, a football league one- or two-game suspension. True. In the playoffs. It's important that we protect our officials. 
There's no excuse. There's no tolerance. If you're trying to tell me that Simone Lawrence should have been able to hold up on his hit with Zach Valeros, then Jonathan Roche should have been able to hold up on his assault of an official. He didn't. Assaulting an official is an automatic one-game suspension. That's what the rule says. I may be guilty also of being a huge Jonathan Rose fan. I think he's one of the most talented defensive backs in the Canadian Football League and, and really enjoys his play. And uh, you may have noticed that I, I watch defensive backs uh, a, a little more than, than, than most people do. It's, it's one part of the game I like to pay attention to a lot. Yeah, and so that's I'm a fine. Fan. It, it, I'm a so fan. You're a fan of his. I'm a fan of Zach Caleros, okay? That doesn't mean I'm crucifying Simone Lawrence. And you can be a fan of Jonathan Rose, but that doesn't mean that his, his shit don't stink. Because, right, quite honestly, that was unacceptable what he did. I just don't think it's in Simone Lawrence category. I think it's worse than what Simone Lawrence did. Yeah, like just personally. because of the speed. You, you you don't you don't touch an official ever, regardless. Yeah. Ever. And I don't think the speed. Uh, to me, that's no excuse. That's ridiculous. It's an official. They're wearing striped uh, uniforms. That 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 just gives people way too many. Uh, chances to cop out and say, oh, it was because of the speed. I'm sorry. That's not an excuse that I I would accept. That's nonsense. You bring up one good point there, uh, Charles, is that uh, I think uh, a lot of CFL games have a tendency, and in the middle of the season, we don't see it as much, but we do have a tendency to see a chippiness in CFL games that we don't necessarily see in the NCAA or NFL. Um, We're seeing more of it and like I said, early and late in the season. We're seeing it when these teams are playing back-to-back games. Uh, mm-hmm. We're seeing it particularly in the first couple games. And I think that that's something we could address. And, 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 and the example of what happened here, I think it would have helped to protect that, 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 uh, that officially in this case if, if we had maybe cracked down on, the, on this chippiness that we're starting to see in the CFL. We've seen a lot of that. In, in that Thursday night game with, with the Riders there, that was a real aggressive, chippy game. And it, it, was, it was aggressive and chippy in the two plays before Zach got hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, again, but the thing is, you're gonna, you got a, two teams starting a new season. The players are going to be jacked up. And I think at times it gets, uh, it gets the better of them in a situation like that. But I understand what you're saying, and it makes sense. But, um, uh, yeah, I think I don't have a problem with that. But at the same time, um, we can't be letting players use excuses to uh, to to uh, justify contacting an official. I understand your point, um, Phil. I get it, but I I just think like with Zach Caleros, uh, I just or and the hit by Simone Lawrence, doing nothing and just letting it go basically unchallenged and no suspension just sets way too bad a precedent, and it's going to cause issues that will bite them in the ass down the road. Well, just the fact that they didn't make any kind of an announcement, 
saying that, okay, this is what's happened or this is what's not happened. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just, it was like, oh, okay, maybe if we don't say anything, the fans won't remember. Yeah. They tried to hide this, which is wrong, 100% wrong. Okay. Uh, you know, we're we're really getting down to the the wire here. I'm down to four minutes left. We're running. We, we're not going to finish the schedule here. Will, did you get your shot on this would. one? Jonathan Rose? No, I already did. Oh, yeah, you did right away. Mark, did you? Yeah, I went. Okay, so everybody went on this one. Okay, so we're just fighting over it. We got four minutes left in the show. We got Kevin Glenn is called to the career. What's his legacy, and is he Hall of Fame worthy? Yes, he's Hall of Fame worthy, but this is a whole other discussion for a whole other night. Charles, can we roll this one over into another night? We certainly can. And the same Wally Buono sat down with Rod Peterson. Um, why? I don't we know. We could talk about that for an hour. We could talk about this for an hour. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. if we, This is an off-season discussion, I think. This should have... This should have happened like a month ago. We could have talked about this one in, in reality. Um, to discuss his legacy career, is there any dispute that he's the greatest coach of all times? No, I don't think so. Um, uh, most wins, most uh, most games, most everything else. Um, tied for most Grey Cup victories uh with Don Matthews. Don Matthews is one of the greatest coaches in the CFL ever. He did this with multiple teams. Uh Wally Buono has uh actually a hundred wins with two separate different teams. He didn't just stay at one team. He 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 hundred wins with two separate teams. Uh bloody amazing. Uh so I'm gonna wrap this one up real quick right now. Oh I'm not gonna be that quick because we still have two and a half minutes to go. And I don't know what to talk about. So we're just going to say goodnight and give some shout-outs. Uh, like, I would, again, to the shout-out to the CFL UK group. Guys, you guys are rocking it. Uh, thanks for supporting our, our CFL teams. Uh, big shout-out to the Americans that are uh, signing up in droves to the Let's Talk CFL page, uh, along with a few Mexicans. Uh, that's really cool, guys. Uh, welcome, welcome, everybody. Uh, enjoy the league. We, we've been doing this for decades. We love this league, and uh, everything's good. So uh, this has been Let's Talk CFL podcast number 328. I've been your host, Christopher Jones. We do not agree with each other on this panel. We do like each other on this panel. We do respect each other on the panel. But, damn, we don't agree. And that's a fact, and that's a good thing. So, anyhow, I'm saying good night. And, uh, Charles, it's up to you, brother. Good night, folks. Uh, week one is in the books. It's going to be a long season, but it's going to be a fun season, and uh, we're here every step of the way. We'll talk to you in preview week two on Wednesday night. Correct. Okay. Uh, Mark, thanks for come to come to see us today. It would be no fun if we agreed all the time. Oh, fuck, yeah. Definitely not. No. Good. Bombers Good night, sucks. everybody. Yeah, good night, everybody. Talk to you on Wednesday. BC Swallows. Oh, that was nasty. Phil, Phil, say good night. Hey, thanks for listening, everyone, and and thanks to everyone on the panel. Great stuff again, fellas. Okay, and William, up to you, brother. 
Take us Good home. night, everybody. I got I got to apologize to Stampeder fans. There's only going to be 19 wins this season. Sorry, I apologize for that. And uh, yeah, go Owls. Go Owls. I was waiting for the signature signal from Go Owls, and they did, and they went. Oh, they didn't win. It was Ottawa that won. Okay, good night, everybody. Take care. We'll see you next.